Moncrief on News Talk. Now, back in the day, it was a huge thing to speculate on what artist would secure the Christmas number one spot, as if it said something about us or the spirit of the time. So does it mean anything anymore? Kirsty Blake Knox has been writing about this for The Independent. Afternoon, Kirsty. Hi, how's it going? Not too bad. When did it start being a big thing, the Christmas number one? Well, I kind of think it coincided with when Top of the Pops was in its heyday. It kind of went into colour in 1969 and was when it was first broadcast in colour and it kind of became this real kind of televisual event. And then in 1973, so 50 years ago, there was the first kind of Christmas battle royale and it was between glam rockers, Slade and Wizard. Um, And they were kind of going head to head uh, to see who would become number one. And obviously Slade did. Uh, did do that um, but having a kind of successful Christmas hit um, w- could turn out to be extremely lucrative um, so it kind of then really took off you know um, and actually in the wizard song at the start of it you can hear them ring in a cash register at the beginning of it as <laughs> kind of indicating that they might have been selling out or whatever but um, so over the years there's been loads of different kind of like Christmas battles like you've had um, uh, Westlife going up against Eminem um, you've had Mariah Carey going up against D17 or Wham against Band-Aid um, then there was a South Park chef singing about chocolate salty balls and he went up against the Spice Girls goodbye so there it it, it does create quite a degree of um, interest and speculation um over the years and and then every so often you'll have like a novelty song that kind of uh, com- comes into the mix as well so so I think it really interests people because it kind of uh it's a little bit um of com- competition which is always in- intriguing and that it's also got that kind of festive flavor to it as well yeah, uh, and 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 Nadia hold on Chris Lee who who wrote the uh, the Slade song they yes. re- they it's reckon they make half a million a year still from yes. the royalties for that that's extraordinary yeah, it is extraordinary. It was actually one of the subplots. I don't know if you remember the film about a boy that the protagonist in that, Will Freeman, his father wrote Santa's Super Slay. And it was this running joke that he was like this kind of layabout who never worked a day in his life because <laughs> he could just live off the royalties. And actually in Love, actually, the Bill Nighy character is trying to make a Christmas number one so that he can financially sustain himself for the rest of his life. It's kind of like a pension plan for a lot mm. of artists. You get this and it kind of like just like is is a great way to kind of have regular and quite sizable income coming in every single year. Okay, nice one. Uh, um, yeah. Uh, 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 nice work if you can get it sort of thing. Yeah. You, you did mention the kind of novelty songs and there have been a lot of them. Has Ireland been particularly creative, if that's for want of a better term, in, in the sense of the, the, the Christmas number one, the novelty songs? Yeah, like we've had quite a few over the years. Um, Dermot Morgan, late Dermot Morgan did one in 1985. It was called Thank You Very Much, Mr. Eastwood. And it was kind of sending up Barry McGuigan. He had a tendency to be really, really, I say thank you a lot to his manager after every fight. And then uh, Marion Rosenstock had a kind of Leave Right Now version that was all about Roy Keane. And then Zig and Zag uh, in the 90s um, had a song that was a rap song. Um, where they kind of called each other twats and talked about, you know, how um, uh, kind of uh, what was kind of popular at the moment. And that was actually called the Christmas number one, that song in itself, quite, <laughs> quite presumptuously. It did get to number one, so it kind of paid off. So 
they're th- those ones are kind of interesting because you kind of completely forget about them and then when you go back to them they're so um of the time all the references are like have dated so much but they actually do give you a little insight to oh that's what everyone was talking about you know in the 90s or that's what everyone was talking about in 1987 so they can be really interesting in uh in that regard um and i think it's also kind of changed sometimes like some people kind of say it doesn't really have the same uh, kind of relevancy anymore because how we assess the charts has changed so much because it used to be, you know, you go into Golden Discs and you buy a CD and and whoever shifts the most like cassettes or pieces of plastic would be number one. Whereas now it's kind of done, monitored and there's a whole new set of metrics. So it's done on free streams, paid for streams, sales, how many video uh, YouTube and and kind of video views there are. So it's a little trickier to kind of grasp an understanding of it from kind of like a lay person's point of view if you're not if you're not inter- interested in that. Yeah. But the plus side is it means we understand how many times people listen to things. So it kind of gives us more insight into what Christmas songs we like the most, you know. So so it's quite insightful that way. Yeah, because I suppose it inevitably had to change because people have been, you know, started uh, consuming yes. music in a different way. In the, yeah. it, is it first? Is it fair to say, Kirsty, in the first say decade of this century, pretty much everyone who had a Christmas number one was either on the X Factor or Pop yeah. Idol. Yeah, that became a really big thing. So it was like you'll remember, like the X Factor was like a like a real autumn kind of staple in in the in the schedule, and it would like lead up that that the kind of final of that was whoever won, they would be Christmas number one, and actually that was in the UK and in Ireland, we really kind of, it pretty much like, I think the majority of uh, of Christmas number ones during that period are were X Factor winners. And there was quite a bit of pushback to that because like you had people like Cliff Richard, he came out and he was just like, they have ruined the Christmas number one. They had such a kind of chokehold on the, on the Christmas number one market that you had people pushing against it. So you had the rubber bandits horse outside tried to kind of, uh, take take the number one spot. It didn't win, and then you have Rage Against the Machine successfully did go up against Joe McEldry, who was an X Factor winner, and they actually did succeed. So when that that really did kind of like dominate uh, the field um, during the, those years, and then when the show kind of fell away and started to lose popularity, it started kind of going back. Like it, it just didn't have that influence anymore. Mm, yeah. But say, yeah. but then say after that, um, like at our, you know, was the Christmas number one what just happened to be a very popular song at the chart uh, at the time, rather than yeah. somebody deliberately brought out a song for Christmas? Yeah, it was. It kind of became just what was at number one at the char- at the time, and I was talking to some kind of like chart analysts, and they were kind of saying uh, on one level it was good that the X Factor wasn't dominating. On the other hand, there seemed to be no kind of struggle between people anymore or no none of that kind of battling uh, for the christmas number one that kind of changed uh, in the in the um in recent years because uh, there was different uh, kind of novelty songs kind of coming in and uh, and and that's kind of like reinvigorated um a, a little bit lad baby over in the in the uk kind of changed uh, that feel and then obviously this year with uh, Shane McGowan's passing, it's kind of, there's a real push for uh, Fairy Tale of New York to be number one mm. um, again. But there is a distinct difference between number one at Christmas and having a hit Christmas record. And it's it's arguably 
a lot easier to have a Christmas number one than a Christmas annual Christmas record that everyone listens to because it's notoriously rigid, the Christmas song canon. <laughs> and people like familiarity. We like like decorating the tree and always listening to White Christmas or, you know, rocking around the Christmas tree. And if someone tries to get in on the on the turf, we're really reluctant to kind of let them in. So it takes a, like it would it it's it's very unusual that something will come in suddenly and automatically be a Christmas number like a, or a or a Christmas hit that we want to listen to again. It, it's very slow moving, almost glacial. The changes in what we want to listen to at Christmas, um, but there are some shifts. Like a you know, people listen a lot less to um, John Lennon. So this is Christmas hasn't been played as much as like oh. whereas Wham. Yeah, yeah. Whereas Wham's um, last Christmas has increased in popularity. And I think that's partially because of the death of George Michael. And also it's been covered infinitely more times than So This Is Christmas. So so those sorts of things, you do kind of see a wax and wane, but but it mm. does remain very difficult to kind of make, uh, to, to, to break through into that. Not through want of trying, though, because pretty much all artists will will give it a bash trying to yeah. do a Christmas. And and wh- why has John Lennon then kind of fallen down a bit in popularity? Sure, he's, like, he's dead it, too. Yeah, he's dead too. Um, I, I guess he's dead longer. But also, um, I just don't think that like, you, I think it comes down to as well covers of songs like, and far less people cover that than cover Last Christmas. And also it's... Um, a bit, last Christmas, even though it's about a kind of heartbreak and that's a real theme in Christmas songs is either being in love or heartbroken at Christmas. Um, but there's a, I, I don't, it feels a little more hopeful than So This Is Christmas, which seems, you know, like I know they're saying war is over. And it, it just, I don't know, maybe people kind of like, like the the beat of it a bit more, you know? Yeah, maybe. Maybe yeah, I don't know. Like because uh, um, last Christmas is a very you know it's it's kind of a heartbreak kind of story. Yeah. Uh, whereas so this is Christmas maybe has a broader palette and it's a bit more political and people don't yeah. want to think about that and and you know it, it's war is over and then you look at the TV and you go yeah, no it, no exactly. it's not. Also at a at a thing everyone it's more last Christmas I gave you my heart is more relatable like everyone can kind of relate to like heartache and. And uh, and being a bit lonely at Christmas, or or having someone kind of uh, an uh, 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 unrequited love. So maybe at a sentimental level, it kind of like clicks with people just just a little bit more. Yeah, it doesn't matter so much anymore, though, Kirsty. Now I know this year because uh, because uh, of Shane dying, that probably it's it, it's a more importance to people that his song gets to be number one. But in in any other year, do people even notice? Um, I think that it the fact that it was like Shane McGowan and the Pogues getting to number one has been front page news, like in a lot of the tabloids in the UK, and but also here, like mainly here. And if something's a front page story, you can't kind of say, oh, well, it's completely irrelevant because it wouldn't be on the French front page if it was relevant. I think maybe when like Top of the Pops and things were at their height and there was the sitting down to watch a countdown, which is such a compulsive format and like kind of, that's like kind of exciting that maybe that was when it was at its most, I don't know, collectively getting together and watching the countdown. But there's still an interest in it and uh, but but maybe not kind of in the way it used to be. Kirsty, thanks a million for talking to us today. That was uh, Kirsty uh, Blake Knox there. Uh, one texter says, working sound on a panto 
Wham's Last Christmas was the most popular with kids uh, during the pre-show, uh, said Vinny. Yeah, and it, you're not wrong there, Vinny. It seems to kind of have percolated down to uh, uh, children who uh, wouldn't have even heard of George Michael, but would be from, very familiar with the song. Uh, look at the Spotify charts. Top 50 is all Christmas songs, bar two and three. Uh, uh, two or three, says one to another texter. Uh, people who don't like Christmas try to ruin the Christmas number one by getting crap songs to the uh, top of the end of the year charts. Maybe. I, I, I don't know. Maybe they, they don't like Christmas songs rather than necessarily Christmas per se. Uh, none of these songs live beyond Christmas. Well, I think one could argue uh, there are many songs that do. I mean, they don't. you don't hear them in July, obviously, but the, the, there seems to be a small uh, cohort of songs. They get played to death at this time of the year. Uh, I grew up in England in the 1980s, and what made the charts even more interesting is that record sales didn't count for every store in the country. Only certain record stores had their sales taken into account. If you wanted to buy a record just to have it, uh, you'd shop local. If you wanted to make that sale count, you'd head into Birmingham, near a city to me back then. Uh, and, and that is true. That was the case in uh, Ireland as well. And uh, uh, it's certainly... One hears by legend uh, that certain uh, managers would uh, go around the shops knowing which shops counted uh, buying hundreds of copies of particular singles so uh, so their band would suddenly uh, be at the top of the charts. Uh, Texas says, As far as I recall, Fairytale of New York never made number one. I think Pet Shop Boys uh, kept them off the top spot. Certainly that's, I think, the first time it was released. I don't know since then. I would imagine it probably must have hit number one uh, since then. Happy Christmas from Ricardo. Uh, that last Christmas song, when written, uh, was called Last Summer. Someone told him to change the name and he made big bucks. Well, I'm, th- I'm sure he made big bucks anyway, but oh gosh, I-, I wonder is that true? Yeah, such a difference that would make. Moncrief, weekdays at 2 p.m. on News Talk.